We are all dying. Hello everybody and welcome back to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that was once discussed by Anakin Skywalker as he didn't like it. It's coarse, it's rough, it's irritating and it gets everywhere. I am your host Sean Ferrick and joining me as always is the man who's half an hour too long even if he is beautiful, it's Ian Whittington. Hello. And returning... I don't think anybody's surprised to say that returning this week, as ever, is the man that if you put your hand into it, you will only experience pain. It's Albert Hogan. <laughs> that is, like, so not a good description for me, Shawnee, at all. It's also not the description we agreed upon, either. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, you're my boys. little gum, Jabbar. That would have been uh, more accurate for Ian, I think. Yeah, that's true. I, I do feel like I would be in quite a lot of pain if I ever put my hand into Ian. I have issues with that. Yeah, no, 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 you would. You would absolutely be in pain. Yeah, you'd be in pain as I punched you. <laughs> Get yeah. out of me, Sean. As that I fine, withdraw that my limb, it would be like, oh no, the hand, it's red. <laughs> that fine line between pain and pleasure, isn't it? No, no, no. We have such sights to show you. God. Um, we are all dying today doing the, I mean, I think that's a, not, not hung over dying, but we are all so worn out because we have had quite the weekend, um, because we went to the big massive furries convention in London, which was great crack. Nope. Uh, We three bears. Yeah, I have now been described as a bear, so I feel quite nice, but that was not what we went to, Sean. I don't know what con you were at. <laughs> Actually, I don't know what con you were at because you weren't with us for most of it. Oh, is... <laughs> I was. Me waiting... and Albie had a great time. Yeah. I was waiting for it. I did. I did a great time as well. And one day I'll tell you about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were all at Destination Star Trek, which was in the XL in London, uh, because we are massive nerds. If we hadn't given that away beforehand, it may have come up in in conversation. But yeah, it was really fun. It was good. It was. Um, we are all pooped because it was long, long, long days and lots of lots of talking and lots of seeing people, but it was good. Yeah. Nice to see everybody. Except Sean. Except Sean. But especially Except Sarah. Sarah. It was good to see Sarah. Oh, Sarah shout out to Sarah, who's a legend. Yeah. Oh, who I got to amazing. spin around the dance floor in real life, which was very exciting. Yeah, Highlight of the weekend for me. And then that bit where you guys did the dirty dancing show, but she lifted you up over your, over her head. That was incredible. Yeah. That was impressive. I know. Yeah. For, Physics for, for someone... For someone of her stature, it was massively impressive. Very nicely yeah. done. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic weekend. Um, obviously, like I'm like super popular, so thank you to everyone who came up to say <laughs> hi. Um, I think you are all amazing. <laughs> and next time, let's make sure we like eyeball Ian and Albert as we do all these things. <laughs> yep. Nope. <laughs> so, so Ian and I were basically like the publicist and security on the, off to the side. Um, yeah. Next time yeah, I need man. sunglasses and like a security badge. Oh no, I was, the the sec- I was the security, was I? No, I was the publicist. Yeah. Um, so I was the one going, you've got one more question. Can we wrap this up, please? <laughs> Let's wrap this up. We've got five um, minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, good. it was a good weekend. It was good fun. And um, yeah, um, I think Ian is now my Englishman to my Irishman after my Englishman husband. But you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, we have now shared a hotel room. We have indeed. And the secrets will stay in that room. And I can confirm that Ian is not a bear. (laughs) No, Ian Ian is not a bear. Definitely not. Um, Sean snores like a motherfucker. I I snore. (laughs) Yes, anyone who is listening to this who has been in a a position to agree with that, they won't just agree. They will emphatically go like, you willingly chose to share a room with him. What is wrong with you? You obviously hate sleep. No, I love sleep. I just, I don't know. Like, no one warned me. And it was it was like a baby walrus in a washing machine in an echo chamber falling down the Grand Canyon. I wish I sounded like that. That sounds awesome. I hope the walrus is okay <laughs> at the end of it, but like that sounds awesome. No, he, it was touch and go for a while. He nearly got murdered <laughs> by an Englishman. <laughs> yeah, sounds a bit accurate. Uh, um, what did, so overall, guys, convention, what did you think? Um, this, so this is our news section. So to the news, I to guess. The news. Assemble! 
after that really awkward news segue, what did you think of the con, guys? <laughs> um, and was there any news that came out of the con? Did you get any tidbits of information from anyone? Albie, uh, you go first. Uh, what did I think of the con? It was really good fun. It was all of our first ever Trek con, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good fun. Um, so much imagination. The, the, some of the things that people cosplayed as... Shout out to the deleted wife, which was the highlight for me. Yeah, that was probably the um, best. And there was some spectacular Janeway cosplay going on as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, meeting everyone was really good fun. Um, any news that came out of it? I mean, Kate Mulgrew made an interesting couple of comments in mm-hmm. her morning yeah. coffee with Janeway, in brackets, coffee not included, um, which uh, she talked about... She basically alluded to Picard, Star Trek Picard being done after season three. Mm. Um, now, whether that's just her own interpretation or whether it's true or not. And she also dropped some hints about Prodigy that um, makes me think we might see a different version of Janeway at some point. Mm. I think that's almost definite based on what she said. And given we know that Captain Chakotay is going to be in it at some point, we may very well see an Admiral Janeway. Mm, um, makes sense. Other, other news bits, I think that was probably it. Uh, had a lovely chat with Patrick Quachtoon, um, who plays Reese on Discovery, who is just the nicest guy. Um, and he talked a little bit about um, being in the captain's chair in season four, which I'm also very excited to see. Um, um, so, yeah. So... I think that was pretty much it for me. Ian? Yeah, I think the biggest one that I think you got it from. Did you get, did you get it from Wilson or was it Albie? It was like, um, but yeah. We... Yeah, I, I was speaking to Wilson and it was just like, uh, sorry, Wilson, if I wasn't supposed to say this, but I mean, we never discuss trust. Uh, he said, yeah, like season five of Discovery is happening. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it's been officially like it. There's been no press release to say it's greenlit, but he's like, it's happening, it's coming. Mm. Don't worry about it. They tend so, to wait until the nice. premiere, don't they? Um, of season, yeah, of the current season to then announce it's back, motherfuckers. <laughs> Stop hating they on just it. Have a, they Take have a that of, Yeah, so I mean, like once they get to twenty tweets per hour saying Kurtzman's fired, they're just like five more years. Yeah, yeah, nice. Take that, trickies. How, how long do you reckon it will run? Reckon it will go for seven, or will they stretch it out a bit more? I think they will try for seven anyway, because then at least you can say, well, look, it ran at least as long as TNG, at yeah. least as long as DS9. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, this is not news, but the whole <laughs> uh, Max Grodenschick versus John Billingsley. Max Grodenschick was like, did, how many seasons did your show have? Who, who was in that? The Zindai? Um, he was trying to work out, like, are you? did you have the cockroaches in your show? And <laughs> Billingsley is like... Yes, yes, we had the aquatic cockroaches, we had the sky cockroaches, we had the fishy cockroaches as well. And was like, um, were you in Enterprise or not? And Billingsley just walks away, just takes his shoes off and leaves. He he is just a chaotic ball of energy. Um, he is. I think you my, made a best friend for life, Ian. Oh, I think I made two best friends. Um, I called um, Dr. Flox a uh, bag of spanners, um, and so he decided to sign his photo as... From Mad as, Mad as a Bad Bag of Spanners. That was fun. Um, but Noah Averback Caps was the definitely the highlight. Um, we had we had some DM bonding. Um, I think he had the funniest signing on the autograph as well. He told so cool. he told Albie to ignore the DM and told me to ignore the player. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> I love it. He was the best. He's the in terms of like fan interaction. He's the best. He's so confident, but so natural and so sincere um it doesn't look like he's overwhelmed to be a part of star trek he just seems like he's in the right place he's he's where he should be it's really cool to see yeah we were saying that weren't we that it's now we're at that sort of generation where you've got actors who are actually fans of trek Mm -hmm. so like noah and patrick talked about um being a fan of trek growing up and so it's interesting to see like some of our own on the other side of the table. Yeah, um, it's awesome. and yeah, and so so Noah always had like really long queues, partially because he spent mm-hmm. about ten minutes talking to everyone. Um, oh, yeah. he absolutely would. Yeah, like we had him for like ten minutes, and yeah. the people ahead of us had a good fifteen. Um, yeah, he just uh, yeah, he has so much time for people. Yeah, he's he's That's... wonderful, and long may it last. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I just I have to shout out for all my legacy trek out there. I did get my photo with George Takei. I'm very very happy. Yeah, nice. Um, So it was lovely. It was on the recreation, the really well done recreation of the original Enterprise bridge. Um, There was an awful lot of conversation, as you can imagine. It was pretty busy. Mm. Um, Oh yeah, definitely. uh, the photographer lady said that we took an excellent photo and George turned to me and says, did you hear that? She said that you were excellent. And I was like, oh, she was clearly talking to you, mate, but That's thank you amazing. so much. Oh, I didn't know that happened. That's so Life good. Made. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got my, I, I got my, my photo with, by definition, I got my photo with the cast of Voyager. By definition. <laughs> As yeah, in, yes, it was Hayden a tenuous definition. What a uh, stretch. Two crew oh. members. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Uh, I actually, the one regret I have for the weekend, and this is on me not organising my time, is I didn't go and see Garrett Wang speak. Um, like I did, I missed the Voyager cast mm, that panels. And I was like, feck, I should have seen that. Yeah. But uh, other than that, loved it. Um, no, it was and Alice Krieger looks amazing and is regal AF. Um, I think next year will be even better as well. It'll be bigger. Well, I was having a quick look last night. So, according to the website, which I mean, how many times did the schedule and everything change while oh, we were at the um, convention? Yeah. I know ne- they've announced some people, but all of them could bail. Between so, now Shatner and has been announced for twenty twenty two. Yeah, I'm um, not interested so. in seeing Shatner. So, <laughs> I've I've, the only one I've I won't speak is yeah. But just, the fact that he's been announced, does that mean that Decay absolutely will not be at us? Who I knows? would hope so. Well, no, I yeah. hope it's the other way around. I did, let's not get into my dislike of Shatner. <laughs> um, and then, of course, all of the Voyager cast who cancelled this year, they're on the build for next year. But yeah. we'll, we'll just see. Sure, we could be on our 750th wave of COVID by then, lads. Let's not. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Speaking of waves, you don't see many of those in the desert. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so this week we are discussing uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 1. I can hear Ian's thoughts saying, I have issues, straight away. Um, Tell me the marketing. Carry on. Top line review, guys. Your one your one sentence review, what did you think? Albie, go, go first. Because I'm amazing. No, I'm going to no, go first. Sean, Sean, I'm, I'm go. Albie, you go first. <laughs> Sean's, go- Sean's going first. Thank you very much, Albie. Oh, look, Ian, your mic is cut out. Yeah, Ooh. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'm kidding. Carry on. <laughs> um, really liked it. Uh, thought, yeah, the you could kind of feel it coming up toward the end because of the part oneness of it all. It didn't feel to me like it had a start, middle, and end because it wouldn't. It's part one of a story. And that kind of toward the end of this film was a bit like, this is just going to end in a second, isn't it? We're not going to get a kind of a climaxy ending, which is fine but you're kind of waiting for the pace to pick up but that is literally the worst thing I could say about it um, really enjoyed it it looked amazing and uh, you will hear absolutely everybody describing it this way if you can and if you feel safe go and see it on the big screen it is not designed to be seen on a television it's designed to be seen on a cinema screen completely agree um, yeah for me it is one of those kind of watershed movies Um in the way that it just kind of ups the ante overall. I thought it was visually impeccable. Um, There was so much to look at, so many interesting things to take in. Everything from the production to the costumes to the cinematography, like the actual technical element of the filmmaking was sensational. Um, Solid cast acting choices. um, And... I I didn't feel the runtime at all. I actually felt it was perfectly paced, um, and I love the fact that they didn't try and stray too much from the book actually, and that was pretty faithful as a as an adaptation, and that they had the nerve to kind of go, no, we're only going to go about a th- just over a third of the way through book one, and that will be it. So yeah, so that was for me. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved loved it. Loved it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you liked it. I really liked it as well. Um, I did. I I love, 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 love the first hour and a half. Um, For me, that's paced perfectly. And they do, considering how much work they have to do, they introduce everyone extremely well. Um, It's such a dense universe to get into. um, But they set it up um, 
really, really well and really entertainingly. Um, beautiful. See it on a massive screen. See it in IMAX if you can. It is. It's. We all knew it was going to be gorgeous because Mr. Villeneuve just has that um, has that eye, um, and he's just, he's made to do stuff like this and Blade Runner and and all of that stuff. Um, the back end of the film, I definitely felt it. Um, I. It just felt like it slowed all the way down, and I knew that, same as you, Sean, I knew that we were, obviously there's going to be a part two and probably a part three by the looks of it, um, and I did feel it by the end. Um, I don't mind, I actually don't mind that it isn't a complete movie on its own, because it isn't. This doesn't stand, it's great to watch, but it doesn't stand alone as a complete story, but it's not supposed to, so I kind of compare it to Infinity Game and End, and, yeah, end War. Infinity, what? Infinity? No, uh, what's the name Infinity of Infinity War and Endgame? I was right. It was Infinity War, Infinity War and Endgame. They titled themselves to be individual films, and I still, I'm not convinced they work as individual films. I think you still, you still need one. You still need the first one to understand Endgame. But June's fine. It's titled itself as Part One, so I'm kind of all right with that. You probably wouldn't go into this and just for part two or part three you'd watch the whole lot but i really really liked it um i just felt the length a bit mm. um the i was really i have to say i was really impressed with so my big controversial statement is that i don't get the timothy chalamet loving that we've been having over the last while however I thought he was really good in this i thought he suited the character of paul very well i have i've i've read the book so i i think I think it helped a little bit that I had read the book. So, Ian, you haven't read the book. No, so, but I have Did you seen find 84. yourself kind of lost? I suppose. I suppose then, yeah. Had I not watched, weirdly, had I not watched 1984, which is also a really, really true adaptation, it's just made questionably, um, I would have been even more confused. But I, I, I think, bottom line, this is just a world I'm not super interested in. It's pretty to look at, but the denseness of it and the entire universe, I'm just, I'm not hooked on the Dune saga. So I'll, I'll, I'll watch it and it'll be great to watch, but I'm not like a, a Dune, um, Dune loyalist, I guess. Um, but no, I think that he didn't go into the weeds too much. He explained everything that he needed to explain without doing 15 minutes of exposition up front. Um, We've got the facts that we need. I know it's not as detailed on the politics as the book and everything goes into, but we'll pick that stuff up. That's not really the story that we're here to see, to be honest. Um, so yeah, no, I, I followed it all right. Albie, what do you, what what do you reckon in terms of say how it was presented and you know did it make lot? I mean, it did make logical sense, but was there any kind of like we're assuming you've read the book in this part? Um, I don't think so. Um, so I I listened to the audio book the audiobook of this earlier this year in sort of anticipation of the movie and loved it. Um, the one bit they do leave out, which is sort of a hallmark of the book, is the interludes between chapters from Princess Irulan, who mm. will I'm guessing become a character in a later movie. <laughs> um, so there's this sort of sense of scale and and like the idea of looking back in time in the book sort of like a historical viewpoint that's not in the film um but i think that's okay because like you have to do the world building in the movie to um kind of ground you in the in the world you're in um so that aspect of the book is missing but i don't think we lose anything by by it not being there um, that part is in 1984 and it doesn't work yeah. so I think that it was yeah. most likely a deliberate choice to not repeat and I think that was the right choice yeah um, I guess the only bit um, yeah sort of the only bit that was slightly missing was sort of explaining the great houses set up and how that power play <laughs> works or doesn't work being the case um, because actually if you've read into any of the sort of world mythology that you know um frank herbert created around this it is incredibly intense and intelligent stuff Mm. so like you know there's some brilliant videos on youtube talking about like the 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 kind of government system um in the in the 
in the world or the empire, the galaxy, whatever it is. Like this is a huge sort of canvas that they're working on. Um, and having delved into that a little bit, you sort of understand because it's, it's very much just like Atreides good, Harkonnen bad. Um, and that's yeah. how it's portrayed in the movie. There's a little bit more nuance to it in the books. Um, there's, it's still clear who's good, who's bad, but there's a lot of political intrigue behind it and sort of particularly some of the stuff around Mentats, um, which are like the kind of superhuman computers. Um, so some of that, you know, actually this is really far in the future. Humanity almost destroyed itself through AI, which feels even more <laughs> like on the nose right now. Yeah. Um, that is a little bit lost, I think. Um, but I'm guessing, you know, it's the first movie hopefully of many um so i'm sure we'll get into some of that later on um so yeah but i agree with ian i i i like that they didn't kind of spend too long trying to set it up they were like just throw you in and sort of you'll sink or swim kind of thing um but i don't think i've come across anyone who struggled to understand the movie no i think they did a really good job of it i mean at the heart of it it's a story of fuck you atreides like it's we're going to give you this planet and you will succeed and now you're betrayed. And that's that's the, the heart of the story is that they've been double-crossed and now they're on the back foot. Um, and the surrounding politics and stuff can be kind of seeped in later. Um, I actually I really agree the fact that the Atreides family's put way up on a pedestal when they're pretty shady as well. Like, they're still essentially colonisers and the only really the good people are the... And I've forgotten their name. The people that actually live on the planet. The Fremen. The, yeah, they're the real good guys. Like They're the ones that are being victimised and having their planet stolen. It's a... Uh, and I'll be... I know these other ones are just, just from the books. Like, when you know where some of that story goes, good guys is a very, very interesting yeah. description oh, of okay, the Fremen. Oh, okay. That's me being ignorant and not knowing where the uh, story goes. But That's fine, because there's a couple of... Uh, clips like almost like flash forwards or even imagine scenarios in the film now it's really really small moments but it's just like yep I know exactly what that is referencing oh, and, nice. oh dear um, so it seems like there are a few there are some gifts for people that have read the books yeah, as well because that's yeah. always a fine line fan service and creating your, your own story yeah I felt that um, so the portrayal of the duke Leto Atreides. Um, so I think Oscar Isaac is really good in the I film. I love him. I think he's my favourite part brilliant. of it. What I felt for me was a little bit lacking, and this is nothing to do with the performance. This is how, I mean, you only have X amount of time. But they left out a good bit about the Emperor and the idea that the Emperor is never, ever, ever supposed to take sides between yeah. any mm. of the houses. And the inclusion of the Sardaukar army this was, it wasn't just a betrayal of the Atreides, it was a betrayal of what the Emperor is supposed to stand mm -hmm. for, which would have been a much bigger thing. So there's more of a, a tragedy to Duke Leto, because they talk about it, like, from the opening moments, they're just like, there's no hope for the father. Like, he is all, he is a doomed character from the beginning yeah. of the book. Now, I'm not going to make this a whole, the book did this and the movie didn't do that. The, thing, I, the reason I think it, it suffered a little bit in the film is because there's so much power and tragedy to his character that I feel was missing a little bit because mm. it was just like, ah, oh, dude, that got double-crossed. Isaac still did a great job. Yeah, but, I wouldn't disagree with know. that, actually. Um, on, logistically, like that lost a bit of weight for me as well because I couldn't tell who the army was. Like They're supposed to be terrifying. Like They are the most badass Terminators in the universe, and I couldn't tell them apart from the Atreides army. They didn't seem to be doing anything different. Like they didn't inspire fear in me like they're supposed to. Mm. Um. Yeah. Like they for for reputation of the ultimate killers in the universe. Mm. I mean, Duncan alone takes out like fifty. Yes. <laughs> uh, and don't get me wrong, Duncan is a badass. And actually, that was I really really enjoyed Duncan's he doesn't get an awful lot of screen time but in the grand scheme of the film he actually I think he probably gets enough mm. screen time um, and I think he was played brilliantly like Jason Momoa is excellent in this film as Duncan yeah um, he's just not in it enough I'm, but that's me wanting more Jason Momoa I don't think the character should be in there but it's it feels a shame to give that role to Jason Momoa he should have something bigger but 
his fight scene in the the hallway is so so good that's the the yeah. best combat we see in the film yeah i totally agree actually um like it's easily the best one to one mm. although i have to say now visually the i'm going to call it the fall of house atreides scene mm. that is oh that's beautiful. so good so so good just the aerial bombardment and anything with weapons get it in the sky and it's too late they're all gone they've been blown up they've been yeah. so screwed um that's gorgeous and it could have been too dark because it's all set at night and it is it's just on the edge of being too dark but then as soon as i think as soon as the fires start that kind of it sets the scene and lights it up and then it's just oh shit they're in trouble i liked that yeah I have to, to pick up on something you said earlier, Ian, about um, you know House of Trades being sort of good, good, you know, and presented as kind of like very mm. much the good. Um, one interesting twist I thought, and it, which certainly when I read the book I hadn't really imagined, but it's quite clear in the film is sort of like there's a slight fascist hint to the costuming and the way mm. that the house is portrayed which sort of gives you a sense that there's something more. So like when you hear the soldiers, you know, chanting Atreides, Atreides, um, mm. there is, you know, there's some there's some kind of hint there that maybe they're not as good as we all think. Mm. And again, knowing where the story goes, it's quite subtle and sets it up nicely. Um, but yeah, th- there's definitely something there. Um, the other thing I... I add to what you were saying is like that battle scene absolutely loved it and I mean visually it was just so intriguing and watching it on a big screen you're kind of like your eyes are darting everywhere um, but there's just this sense of scale in, in there isn't there like I mean yeah. the ships are just huge yes. and that bit where the, the Atreides actually arrive and come out of the ship and they're you know some of the the way they set up the backdrops is brilliant and um, the subtle things that they do like the wind blowing through the costumes, like mm. so well done. You know, they're not. You know, there's no kind of fear of um, making a feel real, um, which I liked, and that's what I liked about that battle scene. Is like, you know, there wasn't a sense of, oh, you know, we're against the odds and we can achieve anything. You know, the, yeah. the characters were doing that, and then you just see them get vaporized, and that's it. You know. Yeah, they're gone. And. Um, it's it's brilliant. It's kind of just really harsh and real. Um, so you really so do feel that. like you're on a different planet, even though it's just a desert. It doesn't look anything different to what we have on Earth, mm. but the scale and the scope is so good. And when you see the sandworms um, for the first time, mm. it is like we don't really get a clear shot of them in this film. You see their mouths, but they're so huge. We never we never see their entire body. You see a distortion that they make in the in the sand and then they're just eating whatever they come underneath um so yeah the i'd be interesting to see how that translates to a your television screen as well to see if you you if it still captures any any amount of that as well but this is why we have things in widescreen it's just you get to see so much landscape yeah. i've just i've actually just seen there um that's so i just assumed that roger deakins was the cinematographer in this he had done uh, Blade Runner 2049 with Denis Villeneuve mm-hmm. um, and he's just like we've talked about him on the podcast before he did Skyfall he did Spectre like he's just yeah he's fantastic um, but he was slated to but he was replaced back in 2018 with Greg Freiger. Um and the reason that's surprising to me is that I don't know an awful lot about the cinematographers of Hollywood I just know that Deacons looks amazing this film looked amazing. Ergo, it's Deacons. But yeah, it's actually a different guy altogether. And yeah. I really thought they got the visual style of Blade Runner carried yeah. over. He worked on, mm. um, that That cinematographer worked on um, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, which is a oh. film I worked on back in the day and was brilliant because the whole um, sequence at the end is set at night time. Um, so now that I kind of tweak that, I'm kind of like, that makes a lot of sense in terms of how that, fight scene is managed and lit and you know it it makes a lot of sense so he's a good choice actually because that end of zero dark 30 is super dark that is really really dark like there is there's no lighting at all but it's still but you can still follow it still yeah yeah, exactly it's still really good best probably other than performances that's the best part of the film that's so good yeah definitely what did you guys think about the um because 
you know, one thing that's obvious from the, the book is sort of the influence of kind of like Arabic culture and the kind of nomad culture on the Fremen. Um, I certainly got some vibes from, you know, the, the what was the Harkonnen stronghold and became a trading stronghold of like kind of ancient Egypt a bit. You know, mm. did you did you get that same sense as well? I got that, you know, the, the, I suppose the first time we see them really kind of up against each other is when Javier Bardem uh, comes in to meet with Duke Leto. And, you know, credit to Bardem for this. He just seems so nonchalant about the ceremony going on around him and the way people are standing and holding themselves. The Atreides are basically, the, the only thing they're not doing is playing their own theme tune <laughs> as he yeah. walks into the room. And he walks in and he gives them the most respectful uh, thing that a Fremen can possibly do is he spits giving up some of his own moisture there's a whole you know fantastic it's a desert you don't spare moisture if you can if you can get away with it and you have Duncan almost smiling you know kind of like thank you very much for the gift of moisture you know appreciate it you know and but the Fremen they don't seem to care about the politics going on between the Atreides and the Harkonnens they're like when they retreat into the desert they're just like okay yeah, you know, hmm. you silly men in your tin suits, go fight it out. I don't yeah. really care. If there's one person trying to get all of the source out of the planet, there's going to be another person trying to get all of the source out of the planet, and you guys are just here, and we will still be after you've gone. Um, there's definitely an aesthetic there. I don't know if that what you meant. What if that's what you meant, Albie? But there was yeah, definitely was, yeah. a, an aesthetic. I, I don't know. I can't speak to culturally because it's just not something I know about. But. There was definitely that kind of aesthetic and I just couldn't stop thinking about this is such a story that happens that's happened on Earth in the past. This is just warring planets instead of warring nations just fighting over uh, a uh, indigenous population's resources. Yeah. I mean, there is a very obvious sort of analogy with, you know, water on Dune being the oil of oil. what we yeah, have today. Exactly. You know, that's that's obvious. Um, and the other bit of the the whole kind of mythology and which I think the film handles pretty well, but we lose some of the kind of depth of it is around the sort of religious elements. So the mm. Bene Gesserit, um, like in the book, the bit that I loved kind of as a concept was that the Bene Gesserit had been implanting um, suggestions into the myths of the Fremen um, that would set up the whole kind of um, coming of, you know, kind of what's to come. I won't say too much because I'll reveal spoilers. Mm. Um, but, like, that's an element I think is slightly glossed over in the film. But I love the idea that the kind of Bene Gesserit kind of working behind the scenes to, mm. um, you know, playing with things like bloodlines and genetics and whatever else to kind of create their own... Um, sort of religious figure um and then you've got the spice as the kind of almost like semi-religious thing that puts you into a trance and you know all that mm. sort of stuff as well gets you to this higher level of existence um so it's really kind of interesting that it kind of leans into religious elements without putting it too much in your face i think yeah um so it's it's really really well done like june 1984 it's quite overt it is they play a much bigger part and it's they're the they're, everyone's terrified of them, and it's it's obviously there's a the, they're all female, aren't they? And yeah. um, Paul Atreides being a man is a bad omen, or it's not what they had planned, or whatever. Um, but yeah, they don't doesn't it's not really touched in in this too much. I'll be interested to see if part two plays into it anymore. It kind of has to because of where the story's going, I think. But. Um, that's the. I think that's the biggest criticism of 1984 is that it puts all three books into one film, and it's shorter than this. <laughs> so I will. I'll give this one a lot of credit for saying this is where we will end the story. This is the fall of Atreides. I almost wish they'd given it a subtitle rather than just part one. Um, like they'd given it a you title. Really that, not happy with that part. Right. One. Let's let's talk about that. So. The mark, and I just I want to know why because you've got Denis Villeneuve who is one of our best best visionary directors working right now you've given him a beloved franchise that has a built-in audience that is going to turn up you've got an incredible cast of the the biggest people most of these people are in the dc universe or the marvel universe 
they're all action stars, they're all great actors. Why did you have to hide the fact that this is part one? And it was hidden in the marketing. It was Denis Villeneuve's Dune. And part one shows up within five seconds. It's Dune title card, part one. That is so, so deliberate to omit that from all of the marketing. And it j- Save it money ran- on the pollsters for part two. Shut up. They want want to sell tickets. It's as simple as that. No, but this is what I mean. You don't need to do that to sell tickets. Who's... Yeah, you do. Is there anybody that would not go because there was a part one on the bottom of the poster? Yes, there would be. That casual audience would be turned off by that. I can tell you that right now. But they will be turned off when they turn up and realise, oh, I'm not watching an entire film. You're lying to them. You've got their money then. Oh, but it's... Oh, disingenuous. Well, what what about Lord of the Rings? They did exactly the same thing. No, you no, but that was Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. You knew that was book one. Well, not re- the casual audience wouldn't know that. No, I know this because oh, I know on, this because no. my brother saw it with me, and he was like, "Let out!" Oh, what the fuck? That's the end of the movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I think no. I completely understand why they did it. Um, completely understand. And they were very like very open about the fact that they wanted to make a second movie. It just hadn't been greenlit, so they couldn't. It wasn't greenlit until October of this year because they had to perform. And in a pandemic, you want to get people to turn out. Um, I, I completely understand it. As a marketer, I get it. Yeah, you bastard. It just, <laughs> I don't like being fibbed. I didn't really expect that this was going to be the entire book in a film. But I did think it would be a complete story of its own. Um, now that doesn't, I guess really it doesn't matter because I still enjoyed the film and I'll. it's not going to affect me watching anything going forward. But... I just wish we'd call things what they are. I wish we would just be honest with the audience and... I'm not going to say the word trust, because you can't trust anybody, but I just... That is true. It just would have... I don't know. Ah, it irked me. It irked me. The other thing I'd say is that... So there is a a TV series that's been greenlit that sits Mm. alongside this, um, which leans into the Benny Gesserit element, and that's probably why they dial down some of the religious elements because that'll fit into the TV series. That makes no sense. <clears throat> so therefore, you have a complementary series. So is it actually part one, or is it a world they're building, a multiverse, or whatever you want to call it? Oh, you've got to have a shared universe. Um, yeah. In which I... case, no. Go on. You, in which case, it's kind of like you need to watch that as well. In the way that you know Marvel do it with. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., certain things will happen yeah, in, in the main story that will affect that, and then that will feed back in. I, I, I'm not sure it will, because I, I'm sure it will be complimentary, and it will help, but Marvel absolutely shafted Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and undermined everything they did with pretty much every film that came out, because, as you say, the casual viewer isn't going to watch the TV show. There will be lots of people that may not even know that TV show exists. They'll just be there for the films. So... They'll be really conscious. I'm sure there'll be studio pressure to not exclude people that are just there for the movies. Villeneuve's directing the pilot. And nice. It's still so it's they, great, but it's still there are still going to be a chunk of people that won't know that. They won't know who Denise yeah, Villeneuve yeah, yeah. is. No, no, no. no. I, I know what you the mean. Film. They will, but there will be an element of like building. Hmm. I'm not sure they will. I just think he will be told. Look, you can't. There can't be a single scene in part two that doesn't work if you haven't seen the TV show. Which I think ties your hands a bit. Like then we know going into the TV show that there's it's kind it's it'll be good it'll be fun but I I don't know how much it'll be referenced in the film. I don't. Know. I don't know though. You could say the same about the you know Loki about Winter Soldier all these kind of things as well. No, I'm gonna be so argumentative. No, because Marvel has ten years of films and audience built up, and even even with the Marvel shows, basically Loki and Scarlet Witch end exactly as they start they're in exactly the same position sorry Loki isn't but Loki doesn't matter because that's not our Loki that's a they can do whatever they want because Loki's dead but Scarlet Witch she's in basically the same position as when she started there's no vision she's in mourning she's just off doing whatever hasn't she become like the antichrist or something by the end of it spoilers I guess Um, and and yeah that's even that's even with Marvel having 10 years of a built in audience like what if doesn't relate to anything at all Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier it just get Anthony Mackie is in exactly the same place as we left him he starts off being Captain America and then saying I don't want this and then by the end of the series he's oh I'm Captain America I now want this which is where we left him at the end of Endgame 
I'm just saying that I, I still think they'll be hesitant to do too much with the TV series. I'm trying not to be a negative Nancy. But but going back to your original argument, you know, this film came out on the 21st of October or whatever it was. Mm. Um, September the 3rd, actually, in the US. Mm-hmm. They didn't agree like part two until the 26th of October. So it would have been... It could just have been as risky to say, this is part one, and right. then people would be pissed off if it wasn't greenlit, and then... But how could it... This is what I mean. You end the film the way that you end it. How can you not greenlight part two? How can you allow the film to be ended that way and not greenlight part two? Money. Money. This, At the end of the day, money speaks. This film uh, costs, what, 160-odd million? Like, it's a big bet. Sci-fi that normally does not work uh, very well... Mm, yeah, I, yeah, I completely understand that. I completely get why they went. And we're spoiled a bit by Marvel because Marvel now at this point, it'll do well if it does nothing. It'll still do well. Yeah. And we've kind of we've started looking at films differently because, you know, Ant Man forty seven will still probably turn a profit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you come along and do something original, it's much more. It's much more, for example, so even though you have this audience who will follow Denis Villeneuve off the edge of a cliff, there's this audience who want to see the adaptation of the movie that they were promised by Jodorowsky and that he never got that version. Um, and, you know, you have sci-fi fans in general, but instead, like, you have an army behind Marvel films who will go and see every single film and they will all be billion-dollar movies and it will be incredible and it's just like, oh, well, a movie's not a success anymore unless it turns a billion. Mm. Um but um, and there's plenty of examples of like Assassin's Creed, Power Rangers. Like there's loads of those kind of yeah. movies that yeah, come with that built-in audience that just don't work. Yeah, but they didn't have the budget of this, and they didn't have the the Assassin's the, Creed did. I'm um, pretty sure. I, I guess As- Assassin's Creed might have done, but that again, video game adaptations not totally different beast. Um, we had um, no obviously the film was dreadful, film. but <laughs> Independence Day Resurgence, which is terrible, but yeah. that was a sequel you know you had your audience who would have come with goodwill from the first one and my god what a cluster f that was um so it's yeah so this idea of you know kind of you know this is a new idea kind of um this is a new franchise kind of um with a director whose last film quite wrongly was regarded as a box office flop um Blade Runner 2049 is an amazing yeah. piece of filmmaking mm. and it got slated. Yeah. Um, and then, so th- that director's next film? Mm. So that would be all of the reasons why shut up and just accept the fact that it's a part one, yeah, git. No, I accept. Exactly. I just wish they told us going into it anyway. It doesn't matter. Just, I don't like being fibbed at. <sighs> Favourite individual performance, people. Let's go on to something positive. So I've lost that Rebecca shit. Ferguson. Yeah, uh, first name that comes um, to mind, Lady Jessica. Same face that I'm looking at. Yeah, absolutely. She is. She, I, I don't know. Everyone kind of feels like they're in a sci-fi movie apart from her. She is just acting. She's so so good. She's so natural and so committed to it. Um, Jason Momoa is having a great time, um, but she's just there. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, like, and she has probably the most range to mm-hmm. work with in the movie as well, because, um, you know, she's a a mother, a grieving widow, you know, a religious figure. You know, there's so many elements to her story that really mm-hmm. makes her stand out, and it just goes back to the strength of the the source material that actually they didn't have to dial her up as a female character. That actually that was the way she was written on the page. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I think the chemistry between her and Chalamet is actually really good as that kind of mother-son dynamic. Yeah. Um, because let's She's... not forget that Paul is supposed to be like 15 in this film, if you're going by the books. Um, in America, that means 35. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, but I, I just thought she was spectacular and, you know, visually interesting, drew you in mm-hmm. kind of from a, just from a kind of sheer acting way and and the thing i think again that shows the strength of her acting is we only see her face for most of the movie like yeah. she's covered um and even when she's coming off that ship and she's in the veil she's still enthralling as a as an actor because you can just get a hint of it just from the eyes or whatever it might be yeah she's such a presence um, 
really yeah. really fantastic actor I love her um, I love the way she, she balances like you know as Lady Jessica she's not just dealing with the very understandable being upset oh shit my husband's been killed you know my son's being threatened these are quite sad things that would stress me out you know she is she's not actually now that I say that she's not Leto's wife I don't think she's his concubine which gives her a different status Mm. Um, you know she has been placed there by the Bene Gesserit and she has gone against their wishes by having a son uh, they were a specific yeah. you, you must only have daughters um, <laughs> that's a huge, because of huge this, part because of this genetic tampering mm. that they were doing that, that she had the um, the presumption to have a son to think that she can bring about this new messiah which is what you know this male Bene Gesserit is being held up as so she has that pressure on top of the death of the household on top of the death of uh, Duke Leto she's not really allowed to grieve because she has to keep Paul alive yeah and on top of all of that, she has to worship Paul. You know, kind of, she will then be a worshipper of this Messiah. Yeah. So there's that element of it as well. I've been thinking of when they're in the uh, when they're in the tent overnight, and Paul is really struggling with his exposure now to the spice, mm. and you know, there start to be shades of what what the Kuizach Hadarak might end up becoming, and there's fear there as well she just absolutely she knocks every flipping bit of this out of the park and is she it's because she is one of the is it Benny Gesserit she is one of them isn't she so has she deliberately had a son like we make a joke out of it but she can control that and she has done that Albie you might have to help me I think think it was was yes yeah, it was not part of the master plan of the Bene Gesserit. Right. And so she went to went went against those wishes. And when Charlotte Rampling's character comes in, who's another fine actor in this film, I have to say, mm. um, like she makes that point of saying, you know, kind of putting her in her place and saying, you've messed with our great plans. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it, it was done out of love related so it's kind of talking about the the triumph of love over religion i guess in a way mm. um that's mm. certainly how i interpreted it um yeah that, no go on sean because i was going to move on to something I was else. Gonna say, yeah there's all these references to you know you know in i think it's i'm paraphrasing but it's basically in your arrogance you decided it would be okay to give leto a son mm. you know which again is obviously implying that oh, well, i'll just decide yeah i'll just pop um, one of those out instead um, um, the box office is interesting. So, the film hasn't quite broken even yet, or it has just about. And somehow they're happy with that. They're just like, even so though it does, it doesn't include HBO um, revenues. Oh no, that's so true. that's why because um, obviously it was put out on HBO Max um, simultaneously. So. Mm. Um, that's why you're not getting the full picture. So that's okay, purely that's based on on theatrical release. Mm. But yeah, so it's done in the cinema. It's done 351 million. Um, yeah, which yeah, I get. It's not disappointing. Um, it's not a clear. Whoa, this made all of the dollars. But yeah, like we don't have those streaming numbers. In normal times, this would be a probably a 600, 700 million. Box yeah, office, absolutely. So that's, that's what I was expecting. For, yeah, that 350 seems quite low. Yeah. It's funny um, that we're because like, I agree. Like it's funny that we're talking about numbers. Like, three hundred fifty million is just not that much. Well, I mean, it's more money than I'm ever going to see. Yeah, but you didn't but, spend one hundred sixty-five million making something. <laughs> you don't know how much I spent on those costumes, Ian. I yeah, I know how much you spent on that phaser rifle. <laughs> so I've just seen here that the the film was streamed by one point nine million households in the US in the first three weeks of release. So you know, Did- if you translate that to box office. Did, ticket revenue it's pretty substantial mm, did they have to is this one that you had to pay for even if you're subscribed no idea because I don't think HBO Max are doing that so the real test is how many new subscribers did they get for that because I, I don't think HBO Max are charging for premieres not sure that's the key um, yeah so I've just read an interesting I say interesting it's a stupid review on IMDb um, it's titled No, and this is the top review at the minute. No surprise, the original was better. What? <laughs> how? How can you? How? What did you watch? 
Hashtag not my trick. Well, basically, mm. I guess it's a rule. Originals are always better. Remakes suck. This isn't a remake. Um, yeah, weird. Weird, weird, weird. Uh, no. Um, just looking at the soundtrack there, so obviously The Zim did the soundtrack to this, and three soundtracks have already been released. So there's the official June soundtrack, which is actually only about 40, 45 minutes long, but because all of the soundtracks combined make the full soundtrack. There's this June sketchbook, and there's, uh, what's it called there now? The Art and Soul of Dune, which is a bit similar to what happened on Gladiator. There's a couple of, you know, expanded and, you know, here's Inspired the stuff we did in the theatre. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked it, because I remember saying before we went in to see it, I had listened to the soundtracks. Like, I'm weird like that. And initially I was like, uh, don't know if it really works. It's the the presentation of the music against the visuals, it, absolutely incredible. The inclusion of bagpipes on the soundtrack as yeah. well to give, yeah, to give the sense of just grandeur to it. Uh, just right there that um, the, it was recorded in Edinburgh, um, in a church because of course it was because, I mean whatever else you want to say about churches they are bloody well acoustically designed a lot of the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, and like particularly that scene where they're disembarking on Arrakis for the first time. Mm. I mean that you really kind of get that I'm blown off my socks with that scene. Oh, it's yeah. yeah, stunning. So yeah. I really think it does it does work. But I mean, perhaps it's a silly statement. Probably every single film should be true of this as well. But like, really works best when you're experiencing the whole picture mm. as opposed to just the music. Which is not to say it's not good, but. No, I know what you mean. There's only one bit that's stuck in my head, and that's the lady screaming that I love. Yeah. And that's exactly how she sounds. That is is her 100%. Yes. I just invited her in for that part of the pod. You'll be signed up for June Part 2 to do that vocalise. Yes, I will. (laughs) It's interesting, actually. He's already um, composed something like 90 minutes of music for Part 2 because Villeneuve likes to have music in advance as much as possible That's cool. um, which is the opposite so you know I, I agree I think it was really interesting because we watched this the day after watching Bond also mm-hmm. a Zimmer score mm-hmm. um, it felt like Bond was a very good commercial soundtrack that mm. hit the breeze yes. June was a piece of art um, and yes. in fact like they used instruments they actually created specifically for the film That's insane. Um, and then if you remember the trailer there was like a Pink Floyd song um, covered by a choir, which again Hans Zimmer had organised. Um, so it's very rare that a film's um, composer will also provide the music for the trailer. Um, and this is one instance where you can tell that Villeneuve and Zimmer really worked hand in hand. Yeah, um, one quite solid nice. unit. Yeah. And it, I yeah. think that's a really good choice for Dune. It just set, set it apart from other films. I think as well, like, this is one of those films where, if done well, which I believe it was, this will be such a feather in the cap for absolutely everyone who worked on this film, as opposed to the 1984 one, which David Lynch doesn't even like to speak about anymore, you know? Mm. Because, I mean, obviously I, I, I have yet to see, sorry, the 84 one. Everything is just about, you know, our, our imaginations were nowhere near... <clears throat> the same uh, as our reach like you know kind of we wanted to do things we couldn't possibly pull it off everything was rushed it was so just all over the place this they took their time they absolutely delivered on the scope of Arrakis the the great um, I, I the words uh, I've lost the word now but the you know the space guild who helped them travel through space those mm-hmm. cylindrical ships which I definitely believe Star Trek 4's whale probe owes a <laughs> bit of a debt to because it's from the book yes um, like just the first shot I thought was a bit like oh this is big yeah they're really big. big yeah even in space you're like yeah. whoa and that's hard to do that's really hard I think the, the combination of everything this will be I mean famous last words but Zimmer Villeneuve uh, Greg Fraser, not Roger Deakins um, will be able to look back whatever happens in their career and go like yeah but look at Dune 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look at that work of art that we made. Um, I do want to talk about the comparison to 84 a bit more, because... I don't know, I kind of want to watch it again. There is... It, it is a terrible film. It is cheesy, campy, rushed, put together. But it does... It seems like it hits everything that happens in in the, in the books. And I think it it's actually too faithful. Because there, is, there are so many scenes... Like, if you watch these two films side by side, there's a lot that's... Like, not just similar because they've come from the same book, but identical scenes. Um, so there is some stuff that it got right. Um, this, obviously, it just seems like it has a thousand percent more care and more artistry in it. Um, but there were some bits that I was, I was surprised they'd included them because there were some of the more cheesy bits from the first one, like the Holtzman's shield um, business. There's some stuff there that's still a bit ridiculous. The, the personal deflector shield that they have. Yeah, like I like the I, li- I like the idea of a personal deflector shield, but move slowly and it doesn't work. Fuck me, is it useless? Like, oh, move too fast and it's useless as well. Like, you've got about five seconds until this hits you. <laughs> Live, yeah. choose wisely what you do with your final five seconds. But yeah, no, it's it is good. Um, I, the writer, I just was looking at the writer's filmography because I, I love the people behind this. I would have been very worried had I known who was writing this. Um, Hollywood seems to like him um, John Spates and he wrote Prometheus okay Passengers which I like I don't think the writing is the best part of it but fine um, The Mummy the new one with Tom Cruise um, and uh, Doctor Strange he's been all over the place he's not who, who I would have chosen for Dune he seems to do Big, big swings that tend to not land. Um, yeah, interesting choice for June. He must really, really like the. Um, he must know the the the, prod- the product. He must know June quite well, and yeah, they trusted him with it. But I think also, like Villeneuve was very heavily involved, as was I believe Eric Roth, mm. um, who is more of a filmmaker's um, type. So he he wrote Munich. Um, mm. Star is born, Forrest Gump. Oh, totally and, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as a screenwriter, he's probably it's probably the part the partnership I think that won out there over individuals. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. It's just weird that he's listed first, but yeah. Um, should probably talk about Zendaya as well. Actually, what did you think? You know, she's not in it much. Yeah, well, I was it made it seem like I, she was. I was interested when they they cast her because having read the book was mm. like we don't get a whole lot of her um mm. and they kind of it felt like they maybe dialed up a little bit the kind of future vision type thing so she oh, could be on screen absolutely a bit more. so that she didn't look bizarre when she turned up in part two yeah out of nowhere. um but no she's got the kind of intensity i was looking for in the role um mm-hmm. and you know we know she can act um for anyone who's watched uh, anything she's done. <laughs> anything she's done, yeah, pretty much. So I'm excited for her to kind of step more into the into the centre in the second film. But yeah, it is literally... She is not the leading lady in this film. It's Rebecca Ferguson. No, mm. absolutely. Yeah, like she's... Would you call it an extended cameo in this film? No, it's not a cameo. It's It feels a little bit... Yeah, like Albie said, we have to dial it up to get her in or else she's out of the blue um it, we're kind of grounded you don't have to worry about introducing her too much in part two now um, i'm actually really excited for part two i think yeah. now that they've established they've done so much groundwork this could be the two towers of the trilogy that just really really slaps 100 percent. yeah it's interesting I, the kind of way i'd i'd test this theory is like would she be nominated for a best supporting actress nope nope I don't think she's in it enough or has enough to do for it to be, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like a, I don't know, Judy, oh, no. Den- Judy, Judy Dench, Dench and it, yeah. Shakespeare in Love, you know, being on Yeah, but Judy it. Dench. But that is Judy Dench and the scene was amazing. Yeah. Um, Helen Mirren has been nominated for films that she hasn't even appeared in. <laughs> Supporting act. Um, so, yeah. So, this film. Yeah. yeah, I think it was probably, you know, um, Cynical Marketing hat on again here. It's like, we need to have 
more female characters because obviously they did a gender swap as well for one of the characters um for uh god i've forgotten the name now um oh, it's dr Keyes. yeah dr kynes yeah kynes um yeah. yeah so they had sharon duncan brewster play her um but in the source material it's a man um mm. and obviously it's a sort of ethnically more diverse probably cast than was in the 84 film i'm guessing although i haven't seen it oh um, easily yeah yeah easily so it'll be interesting to see where they go in the second one as the Fremen sort of step into the fray a bit more. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think no, I'm, I'm excited I'm, for that. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes next, and I'm excited for more uh, Gurney Halleck as well, which we will assuming get. Hopefully, we, we if will it get follows, mostly, yeah. yeah, yeah, it should. Yeah, because Josh, Josh Brolin was great in this again. Like I wanted more of him, but we'll get him in the next one. Yeah, it's not his film. But yeah, yeah, I am smiling. He's so good. You know, that was one of the things that surprised me. The Gurney in this and Patrick Stewart's Gurney, identical. They are so, so similar. Patrick Stewart is overacting a touch, touch more. But they have some lines that are the same as well. I know it's Paul from the book, but there are some kind of cheesy lines. I'm like, no. Um, but yeah, that was quite a surprise. But yeah, good, good pick for that. Love it. Um, on the awards side, do you reckon Rebecca Ferguson gets nominated? She should. She's good enough for it. She should. But Oscars don't like sci fi. They don't, but it's a weird year for film again, isn't it? So, you know, if you think of of who was in the fray last, well, not this year, earlier this year, I guess. um, Yeah, I'd be interested to know if she will or not. I think Mm. she's definitely deserving. But it's interesting when you read a lot of the reviews, she's not called out specifically, um, which is usually a a sign of, of kind of you know the performance kind of transcending the film mm-hmm. I actually think she she and that's not a negative thing I think like she she doesn't transcend the film she's perfectly no I think she does it. I, I was I hesitated uh, to say it earlier but I almost felt like she was acting in a different film like I think she right. is really bringing something to the table that no one else is yeah yeah I guess so yeah yeah um other casting I, I thought the actor Chang Chen who played Dr. Yui was actually subtle but really great in the film as well yeah, um, because it's not it's, it's it's not a huge role but there's you know kind of a tragic backstory there that is um, certainly more present in the books but it felt like mm. they actually got the balance of it quite right in the film and and I thought the acting was great and then the other actor that we should do a shout out is for Jameis, who yes. Babs, who will be in who will be in Strange New Worlds as Doctor Mbenga. So it was Love like it. I hadn't realised yeah. he was in the film until he showed up on screen. I was like, oh, he's going to be Mbenga. so good. So yeah, good. So I I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, and he was great in this. So I'm looking forward to seeing him do his thing. Um, so yeah, so there's you know, really great cast overall. I think, and it feels like it's. It's a cast of actors rather than, yeah. you know, a cast a of... bunch of performances, yeah. 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 It's, a, yeah. it's a cast yeah. of actors and Dave Bautista. <laughs> oh, he does fine. Uh, he does exactly I don't know. Fine. I don't know. I always see Dave Bautista. It was the same inspector. Like, you just... you've He has a very, very good agent that's getting him into some films he does not deserve to be in. Mm, I quite like to me. Miss. Um, what did you think of Stellan Skarsgård? Gross, and I like that. Yeah, it's even more gross in the books that the character. Yeah, um, which they. I have... do like that they toned some of the. Yeah. Stuff oh, they in the had book to. Down. It's a I, little bit uncomfortable. I I don't know about the books, but eighty four. That is no. I take it back. I never want to see that fucking film again because of his scenes. They are. They're not just like it's not Hannibal Lecter creepy or anything uncomfortable it's just gross it's just unpleasant to watch get it away from my eyeballs um they did the line much 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 better with this film he's still gross he's still creepy um he should not be ring girling up in the corner of that room um, floating away but yeah much 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 better yeah and again you've got an actor playing him yes indeed yeah like it's an actual there is subtlety in a very not subtle character um, and 
fair play. Stellan Skarsgård is a good actor. I, I, I know this anyway, but that was always going to be a difficult role to take seriously, first of all, because of the physical appearance of Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. Um, and then once you get past that, I mean, some of the ridiculousness of his character, because he's quite over the top, but they don't play him that way in this. No. He's much, much more sinister in this. Mm. And he also, at no point, except for obviously one moment, does he believe he can lose? Yeah, mm. at no point. And that is just so well done. Yeah, there's just that little bit of a shock when he's just like, whoop, yeet out of here. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. That is um, good stuff. Well, I think, yeah, so I think we've probably covered pretty much everything on it. I am very much looking forward to whenever part two will happen. This one took bloody ages to make, so who knows one part. Although Hollywood being Hollywood, but of part two by Christmas. Um, they haven't even started filming it, have they? No, they couldn't. Uh, next year, I think. So I think realistically, we're talking twenty four, twenty five before this comes I'd out. I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. They, might, I will they be might rush it. That. They might try and get twenty four just so it doesn't fade. But it depends if they're doing, let's say, that TV show as well. Yeah, so, I'll be, I'll be first in the queue for it. Yeah. Yes. Do you reckon they'll do two time. and three back to back? Do you reckon they'll do a three? No, as in film back to back. I, I think they. I, I don't know. I mean, there is certainly enough material. Yeah, it all depends how one pans out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's it. Like, and then two could be the the gamble. But who knows? Either way, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It looks very, very nice. Yeah. And anything to keep that rapscallion Den- Denis Villeneuve out of trouble for a little while. <laughs> you know, go off out of the desert and go and make a film. Yeah, I don't, yeah, we are kind of getting robbed of something original from him, aren't we? The more the, the longer that he's doing this, but. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Give us Sicario three. Um, don't. Uh, although Sicario two is quite good. Mm. Anyway, yes. that is going to be everything for today, guys. You are awesome. Um, I'll be something we've forgotten to do over the last while. Is how can people find you online? Uh, you can mainly find me online by looking at Sean's photos from the weekend, <laughs> uh, where I am tagged as he's a publicist in the background. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. For if. If you don't fancy looking at Sean's photos, you can find me at Albert Hogan on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it, as always. We will be back next week for another episode of An Englishman and Irishman Go to the Movies, where we will be slightly more rested, and maybe we will sound a little bit more lively. In the meantime, you can catch us over on Twitter at EnglishIrishGTM. You look after yourselves, and remember, we love you very, very much.